Welcome to NKF's Kidney Policy Podcast, where we break down the complicated world of kidney care and discuss policy ideas to improve it. This podcast is a project of the National Kidney Foundation, the largest, most comprehensive, and long-standing patient-centric organization dedicated to the awareness, prevention, and treatment of kidney disease in the United States. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us on this new policy-focused podcast from NKF. I'm your host, Lauren Drew, the Director of Congressional Relations at NKF, and I'm so excited to be kicking off our podcast mini-series delving into the details of kidney care in America and ways it can be improved. We wanted to start with a brief overview of kidney disease and how it is cared for to provide a baseline for deeper dives in the future. If you're new to the kidney space or need a refresher on the current landscape, this episode is for you. As a driving force behind all we do at NKF, we also want to highlight the voice of patients who live with kidney disease, dialysis, and transplantation every day. To that end, I am joined today on our inaugural episode by Lisa Velez, our Patient Engagement Coordinator at NKF. Lisa, thanks so much for joining me. Hi, Lauren. Great to be here, and thanks for having me. Great. Thanks for joining us. Before we get too far into the facts and statistics of kidney disease, I want to give Lisa an opportunity to share a patient's story that I think really speaks to the difficult realities of kidney disease. Amber is a patient that I met during our 2020 Virtual Kidney Patient Summit, and I'll let Lisa tell her story. Thanks, Lauren. I wanted to share the story of Amber, a young African-American woman from Memphis, Tennessee, who unfortunately experienced a not uncommon introduction to kidney disease. As we'll discuss later on in this episode, up to 90% of people with kidney disease are unaware that they have it, and many won't find out their kidneys are in trouble until it's too late. That is what happened to Amber. Amber was 28 years old, relatively healthy, and had no real symptoms that she was losing kidney function. She finally went to the doctor, because she thought she had a stomach virus, but instead she was diagnosed with kidney failure and put on emergency dialysis. Wow, I imagine that. I mean, you make up one day, you're not feeling great, you think you have stomach issues, we know we all have them from time to time, and then you end that day on emergency dialysis. But unfortunately, that happens to almost 40% of kidney patients. Um, They, what we call, crash onto dialysis in an emergency setting, having had no kidney-specific care beforehand and having just learned that their kidneys have failed. And when your kidneys fail, there is no getting them back. We'll dive further into the symptoms and stages of chronic kidney disease in our next episode, but as we look to improve kidney care in the U.S., it's imperative that we prioritize early detection and upstream treatment. Lisa, can you tell us what happened to Amber after her diagnosis of kidney failure? Absolutely. Well, despite her awful diagnosis, Amber was lucky. She was on dialysis for only a year before receiving a kidney transplant. Amber was so incredibly lucky that she received her transplant as quickly as she did, as the average wait time nationally is three to seven years, depending on your location. And in some states, such as California, patients can wait up to 10 years before receiving a transplant. Unfortunately, the five-year survival rate for patients on dialysis is only 35%. So many kidney failure patients die before they even get a transplant. But I wanted to share Amber's story for a few specific reasons. First, kidney disease is not just something that happens to the elderly. While it is true that the older you get, the more likely you are to have kidney disease, 
20% of kidney disease patients are under 65. Amber was only 28. It is not unheard of for younger people to develop kidney disease and early detection would allow those patients to make the lifestyle changes necessary to delay progression of kidney disease to kidney failure. Second, kidney disease is not a death sentence if caught early. There are things that can be done to manage kidney disease, especially in the early stages. Once you are at the point of kidney failure, your only options are dialysis or a transplant. And finally, I think the most important point to Amber's story is the need for early detection and early treatment. Kidney disease is underscreened and underdiagnosed, and so patients are missing key interventions that could prevent that emergency crash onto dialysis. Thank you so much for sharing that story, Lisa. There's a lot more we can talk about regarding dialysis and transplant, and we'll get further into those topics in future episodes. But let's slow down a minute here and go over some of the basics of what exactly the kidneys do and why they're so important. The kidneys are two bean-shaped organs, each about the size of a fist, located just below the rib cage, one on either side of your spine. Most people are born with two healthy kidneys, and healthy kidneys filter about a cup of blood every minute, removing wastes and extra water to make urine. In addition to removing waste from the body, the kidneys are also responsible for removing any drugs from the body, balancing your fluids, regulating blood pressure, uh, plays a role in promoting bone health and controlling the production of red blood cells. So these are all very essential um, things that your kidneys are doing. Unfortunately, kidney disease usually affects both kidneys, though there may be some congenital kidney diseases that only affect one. If the kidney's ability to filter the blood is impaired, waste and excess fluids build up in the body. Dialysis is one of two treatments for kidney failure, and it's essentially when a machine is removing a patient's blood and filtering it for them before returning it to the body. Absolutely. People are often embarrassed to talk about kidney disease because a lot of symptoms do have to do with urine and bathroom habits. Unless you're my three-year-old who absolutely loves potty talk. <laughs> That's a different episode. In early stages, most forms of kidney disease have no symptoms. But as kidney function declines, waste will build up in the body. Patients can experience high blood pressure, blood in the urine, more frequent urination, particularly at night, and difficult or painful urination. Patients may also experience fatigue, swelling of joints or extremities, insomnia, loss of appetite, and skin conditions, including itching. It is all caused by waste building up in the body and not being expelled. One of the other things about kidney disease is that many times it's being caused by another chronic condition. The leading causes of kidney disease nationally are diabetes and high blood pressure. According to the Centers for Disease Control, these two underlying conditions account for about 75% of all new cases of kidney failure. When a patient is dealing with these other underlying conditions, they may not realize that the symptoms they're experiencing are evidence of kidney disease. That's why testing, especially of individuals with these underlying conditions, is so important. And on top of that, kidney disease is also a disease multiplier. 
It's going to aggravate your underlining conditions like hypertension, osteoporosis, diabetes, and cardiovascular disease, and make them even worse. Patients with those conditions who also have kidney disease are more likely to be hospitalized and have a higher mortality rate than those without kidney disease. We're going to do a deeper dive into chronic kidney disease in our next episode, but it's important to note that we're talking about 37 million American adults who have chronic kidney disease. We shorten it as CKD and an estimated 80 million who are at increased risk of developing CKD, mostly because they have one of these underlying conditions. There's another 800,000 Americans living with kidney failure, and more than 550,000 of them are on dialysis. There are about 100,000 patients on the kidney transplant wait list, but they only transplant about 24,000 people a year. And on average, about 12 patients die every day waiting on the transplant wait list. And while we are also going to discuss health disparities in kidney disease in more detail in future episodes, I want to be clear that there are glaring disparities in kidney health and treatment. African Americans are four times as likely as white Americans to progress from early stage CKD to kidney failure. And although African Americans make up about 13% of the general population, they account for over 30% of kidney failure patients. African American patients are less likely to receive pre-kidney failure care, less likely to be waitlisted for a transplant, and less likely to receive a transplant than white patients. Let's also not forget the numbers are only slightly better for Hispanic Americans and Native Americans. Hispanic Americans have a 1.5 times greater risk for developing kidney failure than non-Hispanic Americans. And Native Americans are 50% more likely to have kidney failure compared to white Americans. We will do a future podcast to really dig into disparities in kidney health, but it's important to note that kidney disease disproportionately affects communities of color. Efforts to improve kidney health must focus on these communities. There are so many layers to kidney health and kidney care, and we will absolutely do our best to cover the wide breadth of topics in future episodes. But as we wrap up this first introductory podcast, I want to be clear about the financial impact of kidney disease in the Medicare system. In 1972, NKF was instrumental in the creation of the end-stage renal disease Medicare benefit, which ensures that patients with ESRD, regardless of age, can access their dialysis treatments and transplantation services. Medicare spends upwards of $130 billion, that's with a B, $130 billion on kidney patients per year, which is more than twice the entire budget of the U.S. Department of Education. One in every four Medicare dollars is spent on kidney patients. Dialysis patients alone cost Medicare about $90,000 per patient per year. And while kidney patients only make up about 1% of the overall Medicare patient population, they account for 7% of all of the spending. So at this rate, you know, if we don't do something, kidney disease has the potential to bankrupt the Medicare trust fund. If we focus, though, on upstream awareness, early detection, early treatment, we can make a really big difference, not only fiscally, but in the lives of these patients. So I also want to ask Lisa to share the story of Louise. Louise is one such patient who has benefited from early detection. Lisa, can you tell us about Louise? Absolutely. 
Louise is a 78-year-old woman with CKD. She was diagnosed about 10 years ago when her kidney function was around 50%. Her doctors put her on medication to control her hypertension and diabetes and took her off medications that were bad for her kidneys. She is also on a special diet that is better for her kidneys, although her daughter would probably tell you she doesn't always follow her diet. While Louise has lost some kidney function, over the years, her kidneys are still functioning about 30% capacity, enough to keep her off dialysis, and she has been able to avoid major cardiovascular events. Unfortunately, Louise's experience is the exception, not the rule. As we've mentioned, 90% of patients with CKD don't know they have it, and many will only learn about their condition when they've already advanced to kidney failure. But Louise's story is a great example of how early detection, early treatment, and lifestyle changes can make a big impact in a patient's life. Louise has managed to stay off of dialysis, has had no kidney-related hospital stays, and has had a much better quality of life than if she had needed dialysis. This improved quality of life for the patient also translates to Medicare dollars not being spent on hospitalizations or dialysis treatments. I hope listeners will take away from Louisa's story that there is something we can do to prevent the progression of kidney disease. Awareness, early detection, and early treatment can make a measurable difference. The hard part is, of course, how do we change the healthcare system to focus upstream? That'll be a thread continuing through each of our next episodes policies that lawmakers and regulators can implement to improve kidney care and focus on upstream detection and treatment. Briefly, NKF has identified the following priorities for 2020. Increasing our federal investment in kidney research, prevention, and innovation activities, enacting legislation and other policy changes that promote living organ donation, reducing healthcare disparities and inequality, and expanding patient treatment choices for renal care beyond the in-center dialysis model. And I'd like to say that at the heart of all that we do at the National Kidney Foundation are the patients, are the organ donors, are the family members, are the caregivers, and the professional healthcare providers who live the reality of kidney disease every day. We will do our best to highlight their stories and ensure that the voices of kidney patients are driving forces behind transformative healthcare change. So thanks for checking out the inaugural episode of NKF's Kidney Policy Podcast. This was a brief overview that I hope has whetted your appetite for deeper dives in the future. Thank you to Lisa Velez, our patient engagement coordinator, for joining me on this adventure, and to you, the listener, for dedicating some of your time to learning a little bit more about kidney health in America. This podcast is an experiment for us, so I hope you found it useful. Please let us know what you think by emailing policypodcast at kidney.org. That's policy podcast, one word, at kidney.org. And I hope you'll stick around for future episodes. Uh, We plan to dig into chronic kidney disease, kidney failure, dialysis, transplantation, and health disparities, among other topics. If you're looking for additional information on kidney health and kidney policy, feel free to check out our website at www.kidney.org. And thanks for listening.